755 is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty. Welcome back. 755 is real. And uh, basically the season is just about real as far as uh, spring training getting ready to get underway. Eric, man, it's that time of the year. What, uh, what, what, what was your thoughts at this point of the year when, when spring training was all of a sudden it was right around the corner? Uh, you probably already down in Florida at this point or out in Arizona, depending on which team you were with. Yeah, I'd get down there early. Um, it's tough weather. A lot of guys from the northern states, they try to get down there in the good weather and throw outside and stuff. Um, it comes quick, though. You, you never yeah. really, you know, the off season, the first two months, you feel like you got forever. And then once January hits, man, you just start really panicking. I hate packing. I hated packing. So you kind of put that off as long as possible. And then all of a sudden you're down in spring training and doing well, PFPs married, and right? shagging. And yeah, I did actually, my wife packed everything for me. And I still, I still complain <laughs> about it, but she actually did everything. So all the pale skin Northern Northern players are down there early, man. Yeah. We'd see that every year. Yeah. Uh, I didn't give a proper introduction. It's Eric Flaherty, of course, my co-host out in Seattle. Um, former Braves reliever, longtime left-hander with several teams. But uh, how many years after you retired did did it start to feel normal this time of year? Did you have that itch for a few years? Or or did you get to the point, you know, where your your arm was shot and you just didn't didn't miss it anymore? Or did did you still miss it for a while? This is actually – this year is probably the first time I have missed it. Um, Really? The first year, man, the, just to be home and and not be moving all over the place, and yeah, once once we had kids too, it was just it's just a lot of shit going on, man. Um, yeah. and it's it's hard to move yeah. them. You got to take their car seats and their stuffed animals through the airport, and they're screaming, and yeah. they have all these extra toys and different, you know, just there's there's just a ton of crap you got to take with kids that just makes <laughs> it like ninety five percent harder to fly. So um, yeah. it was nice, especially not for to guys. Do that. For guys who fly charter all the time, and don't <laughs> yeah. even go, my go wife would always <laughs> my wife would call me Oprah whenever we'd have to fly. You know the, the normal way because I'd just be bitching and moaning about all this little stuff, and just I'd be being a little bitch about you know just security. Fly, and, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm used to it now. I'm used to it. I mean, I feel I can't even me- believe what people that don't have clear and pre-check have to go through when they stand in the security lines. It's bad enough in clear and pre-check lines, but. Uh, anyway, so Braves are going to have some new faces in camp. It's going to be interesting. They always do, obviously, but this year, um, the ones that are going to be particularly interesting are the old and the really young ones. And the old, a yeah. couple of guys, Cole Hamels, Felix Heredia, uh, one Hernandez. is definitely going to make the, the, the rotation and, and another that might, who? Hernandez, Felix. Oh, the, who, who did I say? Felix Heredia? Yeah. <laughs> no, Felix Heredia will not be back. I mean, he maybe. You never right? know. He was a lefty with the Marlins way back, man. Like, hey, yeah, Felix Hernandez. King King Felix, man. There you go. And uh, who's going to be trying to get that fifth spot, but he's on a minor league deal, of course. But Cole Hamels and then the young guys, especially the outfielders, Pache and Drew Waters. We'll talk about them a little bit. Uh, and Ian Anderson, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. He's got a shot at being – up this year. I mean, this guy, I think I fully expect him to be up this year at some point. I mean, he's kind of the Kyle Wright of last year. Uh, Kyle didn't end up uh, breaking in, breaking through the way we thought he was going to after spring training. But uh, I think Ian Anderson's really poised to, to, to be, to, you know, make his mark this year. And uh, Braves are only an injury away in the rotation from needing somebody else. So uh, I think he'd be the first guy called. Uh, unless they want him to get a little more season in AAA, but I, I think he's probably ready. And then also, I want to see Moeller, the six foot six monster, the two hundred and fifty pounder that was in camp last year, because he's even gotten bigger and he's you know <laughs> done two done two winners of uh, drive line and and uh, this guy's he's an interesting case. I love him. I love where his head's at. He's <laughs> yeah. just trying to. He's it's just beast, he's he? he's going the Cindergard route, you know. He is. Um, <laughs> I, just, I think just, he's yeah, a little just, more nuanced than Cindergard, but we'll we'll see. Yeah, I, I I like it, man. I think it's good to get strong and everything. Yeah. You just he's an animal, man. He'll have to make that at some point. He'll have to make that same adjustment Soroka made, where you say, "All right, I'm strong enough," and it's time to. It's time to pitch yeah. and kind of back off some of that stuff. But I think you can get away with what he's doing and, and putting all that muscle on when you're in your early 20s for quite a while. And then you start getting older, man. The weight comes on a lot faster. It's, it's easier to bulk up. You get too thick. So, yeah, yeah. 
He looks, but that he looks is like just, a horse, though. <laughs> right. But, but then his power is good. Power, being a power arm is what is going to get him to the big leagues, probably. So, you know. Exactly. So, yeah. So that, that's why I like it. You know, the way. You adjust when it's, when it's time. But when you're young, um, you get really strong. Uh, speaking of, of another guy that was once pretty much a power arm, always had the changeup, obviously, but he used to throw hard. It's Cole Hamels. Um, four time All Star. Four top eight Cy Young finishes in 14 major league seasons, including 10 with the Phillies. And I know he's been away from Philly for a while, but it's still going to be kind of odd to see him in a Braves uniform initially. I know it's going to be odd for those Philly folks when he comes back to Philly. (laughs) And I'm just envisioning uh, if he'd been on the team last year when they opened the season in Philly, there's a chance he would have been starting opening day against the Phillies. How How weird would that have been? Yeah, that'd be crazy. There better be no chance he gets booed, though. I remember when they booed Bobby Cox. And I was, oh, I was I like, damn, these these fans don't care, but there's no chance they, they boo Cole Hamels. He'd get it, he'll get yeah. a good reception there. I think it'll be cheers turn to booze, especially if he pitches well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, by the sixth inning. But yeah, I think it's crazy whenever a team boos a guy that got traded, you know? Or that yeah. left or or that left when the team didn't try to re-sign him, you know, like McCann. They didn't really try to re-sign McCann. Not a not a not a sincere effort. But uh you know, this this guy he's interesting. Hamels talking to him at Chop Fest. You really, he said exactly what you would want to hear. A thirty six year old guy who's done all that he's done. What you want to hear from a guy like that coming into a team with so many young pitchers because you want him to be you. You're signing him obviously because you think he can you know uh, pitch for you and and every fifth day give you a good chance to win. But also for all the intangibles because uh, you know we saw it with Keiko just in a half season with the Braves. But for this guy to be there all year, including spring training, I think he can really have a huge impact on the young pitchers. Uh, and and especially like guy like Max Freed, who is so similar. He's the guy that McCann compared to him, uh, young Cole Hamels. You know, tall, slender lefty with the changeup and a big, big curveball. And Max Freed said as much, too, that he's going to pick Cole Hamels' brain. And Hamels said he wants to help uh, Max and all the young pitchers. But he said all the things you want to hear. He's really embracing this uh, leadership, and uh, veteran leadership, veteran, uh, you know, share all the insight that he's gained over the years and that he got from from the guys that uh, Philly brought in, the veterans that they had when he was a young pitcher coming up, you know, the Roy Hallidays and the uh, Roy uh, Oswalds and guys like that, uh, Moyer. Moyer he wants to be too. that kind of guy for these young guys. That can be big, can it? Oh yeah. And you, the funny thing is, is you know, as you start acquiring and you know accumulating a lot of time in, in baseball, things that for you are just kind of basic knowledge at that point, you forget that they're thoughts that you know a young guy has never had. So yeah. I can remember one time I was talking. I think it was Fulty and, and Ian Kroll. Um, we were just talking about you know pitch sequences and stuff after a game one time, hanging out in somebody's hotel room. And, mm-hmm. and Kroll was, no, Fulty was saying, you know, oh, you know, the catcher called this pitch and I wasn't sure if it was the right pitch or not, but, you know, I knew it was the right pitch, but I wasn't sure if I could make it or not. And then, you know, I tried to make it really good. And he just goes through kind of his thought process there. And I was like, you know, he wound up giving a hit on this slider or something in the zone. And I was like, why didn't you just throw it in the dirt? Uh-huh. You know, it's like, it's common sense to me. Like if, if you want to, you, you know, it's an effect pitch right there. Why didn't you just bounce right. it if you didn't like the pitch? And see if they right. chase it, but not allow yourself to the the chance to get hurt on that pitch. And it was just like a light bulb went off in his in his head, and he was like, "Shit, I never thought of that." You know, I tried to make this perfect slider that I didn't, I wasn't confident in. You know, and uh-huh. you have these these thoughts for me is like when a catcher call a pitch I didn't like, I just bounce it. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and David Ross hates me for that because he he call he call a pitch <laughs> and he'd he'd know I was going to do it. He could tell by my mannerism, and he just he'd he'd actually sometimes tell me to step off the mound and come out and ask me like, do you want to throw this or not? Cause he'd picked up yeah, on yeah. his mannerisms so much, but he, he'd learned that. And I'd learned that too. You know, just if, if he called a pitch, I didn't like, I was just going to bounce it yeah. and not get hurt on it. And that, that was kind of my, my uh, point to him was just, you know, if you're not confident in a pitch, why would you risk getting hurt on it? You either don't right. throw it or you, you throw it, but you throw it somewhere where you can't get hurt. And uh, it, it just never crossed his mind, you know, and, and yeah. thoughts like that for a veteran are just so basic, but, uh, for guys learning the game and competing at this level, um, it's something that's never crossed their mind. So when you're just around veterans on a daily basis and they're and they're, th- they're saying yeah. things like that repeatedly, 
and uh, just passing off that kind of knowledge and, and different thought process b- behind things, um, it can really rub off and just just the way you phrase one thing or, or you know, your logic about one type of approach can really change. Um, it could change a guy's career. It could change their season and really rub off on them. So it's always good to be around guys with a ton of experience. Especially, I think, I think when you got a guy, a pitching coach like, say, Roger McDowell, he can share so much that he had pitching in the big yeah. leagues. When you don't have a pitching coach who pitched in the big leagues, you know, and 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 and, and you you can still be a great pitching coach. Most a lot of the great ones weren't, never did right. pitch in the big leagues. But when you don't have that pitching coach, I think it's even more important to have some of those veterans on the staff who've been through all the, the wars of pitching in big league games year after year and facing the hitters. Well, that's a that's a big thing going on um, throughout baseball right now. Is a, a lot of guys are getting hired that that didn't play, and I'm not mm-hmm. against that at all because um, you know the technology these guys are able to implicate and or implement and and the way that they can um, you know just kind of break things down mechanically and using video and and all that. But there's just something in baseball right. called feel, and right, um, it's a lot of times you do things that they don't look the way they feel on video. Mm-hmm. So you can, yeah. and and it's easy to overanalyze things through video. And it's like, man, I would do something and you have this visual in your head of how it looked when you did it. And you look, look at it on video and it's completely different than what you actually did. Um, but it felt great and you got outs. So it almost, it makes you want to change something that, you know, nothing's wrong with, you know, if it ain't broke, yeah. don't fix it type of mindset. Um, a big leaguer can attest to that, you know, a guy that's, that's been through yeah. the game and, and done it can attest to, you know, it doesn't look the way it feels or, or yeah. here, here's what was going through my head when I was actually in these situations and you don't need to change anything. Um, so I think that it's good to have a good mix of, of coaching like that. But a big thing that's going on in baseball is guys, I look on, um, Kevin Euclid's uh, Twitter feed sometimes, and he's just yeah, he has some good, interesting stuff. He really <laughs> he does. does, and he's just battling yeah. it out with these people nonstop. Yeah. And I just kind of laugh, like, man, d- you're outnumbered here, but uh, good he makes for you. Some great points, though. He he really does, and it's he he's talking about a lot of what I'm talking about right now, and and I agree with him. But he also kind of you know a lot of people are discrediting the other side, and I think everybody could kind of benefit from each other if they just stop throwing insults around. Especially, I think, in a sport like baseball where you play a 162-game yeah. season. You're not playing once a week, you know, or even two or three times a week. You're playing every night, basically. Yeah. So a lot of those feelings that you're talking about uh, and a lot of what you go through during the course of a season is not going to show up, you know, in 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 technology and in stats right. and numbers. you got to be there and experience it because it's just such an, a ridiculously hard grind to go through, you know. Uh, yeah, you got to have for people that understand position that. Position player or a reliever who you know who are out there so much, man. Yeah, and you know, and a, a lot of times it's it's always about working harder and getting more work in. But the one thing that happens is you're just gassed, and your body just yeah. can't do what you're telling it to do because right. it's just too fatigued. And um, it helps to have people that Huge, have been variable. through that and just tell you, dude, just just <laughs> yeah, play baby, just play father son catch today for, for three days if you have to till your arm recovers. Right. Um, right. Just little stuff like that, man. You can learn from veterans. I used to watch um, Scott Casimir throw. Like two days before his start, he'd be throwing forty six miles an hour, and I'd ask him, I'd be like, "Kaz, <laughs> how are you going to be ready on you know Sunday when you're starting? And you're throwing like this." He's like, "I did all my work uh, Tuesday. I did it Tuesday, Wednesday. So now I'm just letting my arm be fresh." And he'd call it show catch. He just, I mean, he'd have his sunglasses on, shoes untied, and it, it looked like shit. Yeah. <laughs> if you were, if this was your first you look, it looked like at, it was hurt. <laughs> yeah, if this was your first look at a big leaguer playing catch, you yeah. know, a guy with a lot of time, and you right. see Scott Casimir out there with his shoes untied and sunglasses on, yeah. just lobbing it like, you know, like he's throwing to a four year old. You're just, just like, mailing it in. What the hell, man? What what's what's this dude doing? He doesn't work hard. He doesn't even want to be out here. You know, you there you could have taken a lot of kind of you could have a negative yep. impression of what he was doing. But if you saw the work he put in at two o'clock before the gates opened and, yeah. and all the studying he did and his bullpen he threw on, you know, say Wednesday for his Sunday start, um, you'd you'd be shocked. Like, all right, he just knows exactly what he's doing. He's not worried how he's coming off. But I remember it used to bother yeah. some of the coaches a little bit, but I kind of watched it and I just, it just made me curious. Like, man, what are you doing, Kaz? You, <laughs> you all right? You know, you hurt, but he was good. <laughs> um, 
So anyway, experience. Speaking of experience, get this: uh, Cole Hamels has 163 wins, 17 complete games, 421 starts, and 2,558 strikeouts in 2,694 career innings. Okay, the other four projected members of the Braves' opening day rotation: Soroka, Freed, Fulte, and Sean Newcomb. I'm putting Nuke in there because right now I think he would, he would be the guy. We'll see at spring training. But anyway, those four combined have 100 wins, three complete games, 243 starts, and 1,387 strikeouts in 1,448 <laughs> innings. That's wild. So basically, Hamels has like twice of everything that that entire group has in their careers. And Felix probably does too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even do his, but yeah. Yeah, he's yeah he's right there too. Um, even more with the innings. Hamels is thirty six, and he's a first time free agent, which always strikes me because you wonder how can that be, and then you think about it, and he's just like uh, Josh Daniels, uh, Josh Donaldson was this this offseason when Josh was a first time free agent at age thirty four, because you know he signed Cole signed the one year deal, but. He got his fortune just like Josh did with a uh, with an extension when he was under contract, of course, with the previous team. So, but so he's never hit free agency till now, which uh, you know it's one of those fluky things. But Hamels had already made a hundred and more than a hundred and ninety million dollars. As near as I can figure, he's going to cruise past two hundred million at uh, with one of his paychecks that gets around the All Star break. So he's going to be <laughs> fine. Good. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> I think one time I heard when they built that uh, – at the time, it was the tallest building in downtown Philly. It was the all-glass one. There's a couple more of them now. But when they built it, he was one of the first tenants. He lived. I think he had he and his girlfriend or wife uh, at the time, I think he was already married. They had a whole floor. He rented a whole floor. He might have still been seeing them. I'm not even sure, but he had a whole floor in that building. So it was a real shithole. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, here's what he said when asked about uh, the Braves. At uh, Chop Fest, he said, when you play as long as I have, you want the opportunity to win. My first year going into free agency was really just a matter of trying to see where I could actually fit in. And this group has amazing talent, great personalities. He said, I've respected Freddie Freeman for so long competing against him. And then you see the entire group that the organization has really built here and to be a part of it and see what I can bring. Not only being able to play out there on the field, but what I can bring, what I can try to do in the clubhouse to a lot of these guys. So, like I said, saying all the right things. Yeah, he knows what to say, and he, he's, yeah. you know he's he's not saying that just to appease the media. Yeah, he, he knows what he's here for. He knows what he's doing, and I, you know, it's it really is. It's not bullshit when guys say that. You know, they want to go somewhere to win because and it's an attractive spot for guys like that. Yeah, and once you've got, you said he's going to make two hundred million. You know, he's he's not really chasing money at this point. If right. he makes ten million or twenty five this year, it's right long term. There's he's good. You know, so yeah, <laughs> um, you. You get to the point though where if you're on a losing team and and you know the clock's ticking on your career, it's it's easy to just kind of it, it's hard to motivate yourself through. You know, you're not chasing yeah. money, you're not chasing you're not chasing yeah, establishment, doing, you're not trying to. Yeah, it's just it is. It's kind of like what what am I doing? And for young guys, you know, winning's not. I'm not saying it's not important, but there's a lot right. more. There's a lot more on the table for them um, to gain from just having a good season. But if Cole Hamels yeah. goes out and yeah. throws 200 innings with a three ERA this year, okay, he gets another 10 million. He's already got 200. You know, he wants yeah. to. For him, he wants to win because yeah, that's that's the that's that carrot that's dangling. You know, that's that's what you're chasing right there. Um, so I, I don't think guys just say that type of stuff. You know, you hear it so mm-hmm. much that I just wanted to come here because it's an opportunity to win. But they mean that. Yeah. Yeah, because and once they've experienced some winning, which he has, they know there's nothing like it. I mean, oh, it's great to be rich. By. It's the season flies rich, by but, when you're winning. Yeah, but that experience, yeah, they're, they're celebrating with your buddies, and they all look like it doesn't matter if they've done it before a couple of times. When they're celebrating in in pouring champagne on each other, everybody looks like a 15 year old, 12 year old <laughs> kid. You know, that's a long they, season, man. It's 162 games, and then. You know, you always want something to celebrate at the end of it. That never got old. You know, yeah, you every see, time I did that, that's where you see, you know, Nick Marcakis looking like a kid and and and, and smiling. And you don't have to <laughs> pull quotes out of him, smiling and squirting champagne. You know, and with a cigar. His first smile I mean, of the year. It's the great. 
Yeah, it's the great uh, common denominator. Art reduces everybody to the same thing. You know, he's just as happy as Ronald Acuna, you know, and yeah. maybe even more so because he appreciates it and knows how hard it is to get there. Whereas the young guys probably think, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this shit 10 times in my career. Oh, he's, Acuna's done it twice already. Yeah, he probably you know. will do it 10 times in his career <laughs> yeah. and have a big reason and be a big reason why. So, yeah. Um, Another guy, kind of at the at a different spot in his career, Chop Fest talked to was Ender Inciarte. And to his credit, he came. You know, they don't all have to come, especially if they're in, not in a good spot where they don't want to end their careers or whatever. But he was there and answered all the questions, uh, and a lot of them were about his future and about you know one 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 uh, writer asked him, "Do you about needing to hit to keep Acuna in right field?" In other words. If he doesn't hit, there's a there's a good chance Acuna's going to play more and more in center, you know, shift over and then put guys in right field. So, and it was kind of on the spot, and he, you know, he and he didn't get testy or anything, and he answered all the questions. Um, but man, when you think about it, who would have thunk this? This is a guy three seasons after he signed a five year, thirty point six million dollar contract that includes a six year club option in twenty twenty two. He's only two years after he had two hundred and one hits. And made the all-star team, three-time gold glove winner, and now he's facing all this uncertainty entering his entering his age 29 season. When at a time when he should be enjoying the the real the very peak of his career and should have several more peak years, you know. But guy hit 246 last year, 50 points below his now career average, and he only played 65 games because of back, hamstring, and quadriceps injuries. So he needs to show he can stay healthy and warrant regular playing time on a team that's got, you know, a couple of former All-Stars in Marquecas and Duvall vying for time behind the starting corner outfielders, Acuna and Ozuna. So there's a glut there, and Ender's going to have to earn playing time. That's the game, you know. Yeah, uh, it's, it's It's funny because the guys that can't handle the questions you're talking about him handling are guys that are not honest to themselves about their situation. And it's yeah. it's a good sign that he's – ready to answer those questions and address them. And it means he's already dealt with them, you know, in his own head. Um, uh-huh. A lot of times guys have two or three good years and they just think they're in the big leagues to stay. And then you get some kind of contract extension, but the team's trying to win, man. The, you, the team's trying to chase a world series and these teams will cut. If they have to, they'll cut 20 million. And just mm-hmm. if you're a lost cause and they don't believe in you anymore, um, they just, all right, well, we're done with you. You know, we're, yeah. there's a bigger picture here. Uh, so guys that that don't address that internally and, and handle it with themselves before they start getting asked by it by the media, sometimes they're kind of shocked by it, and they're like, yeah. you know, "How how yeah. dare you question me? You yeah. know, I'm, I'm, I've been an right. all star. I got an extension. You know, who are you guys?" But if, for him to have that mindset already and understand the importance and the urgency of of putting up numbers and getting his career back on track, um, you know, some guys don't know their career's off track, <laughs> but yeah. he, he seems to know that you know he's got a lot of work to do and and he's got to he's got to pick things up or. He could be looking for a job next year, guaranteed money or not, man. Guys want to keep playing baseball. Yeah, we've seen what Alex can do as far as uh, shipping a guy out when he wants to dump a salary. I mean, look at yeah. Matt Kemp when he sent him to the Dodgers. You know, he finds a way to get rid of him. If, they, if, if, if he can't trade him and get something in return, he'll trade him just to trade him. So um, so he'll shift to center. Acuna will shift to center whenever Mark Akis or Duvall is in the lineup. And the additional offense from Acuna – more than offsets any de- defensive advantage NCRT provides in center if NCRT plays like he did last year as opposed to the year before. In other words, if he's not playing a lot better than he did last year, you know, you're a better lineup with Acuna in center and Devaldo Marquecas in right. I mean, even with your defense not being as good. Yeah, if I'm the Braves, I really want him to have a good year to keep I want to keep Acuna yeah. out of center field yeah. as much as possible because he's he plays he's going to play hard. He's he's going to go all out. He's going to be crashing into walls and stuff. So it, let's just keep him in right field. Not you know not as involved, but yeah. uh, it, there's a there's a lot of importance. Not wearing those legs out. Right. Yeah. I mean he's got the gap. He's going to play a lot too, but there's yeah. a lot of importance for that. But you know if Ender's hitting two thirty, two twenty, striking out a lot. He, sorry, man. <laughs> Cunha's yeah. going to center. And in that case, there's also the 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 factor of Christian Pache and Drew Waters, both superb defenders at any of the outfield positions. And Pache, they have there's been guys in the organization 
coaches, minor league officials who've said for three years that Pache is the best center fielder in the organization. And that was when Ender at the time, a lot a lot of people considered him the best center fielder and at least the National League, maybe in the game. They said Pache was already better defensively. That's how good this kid is. And Pache is now on the 40 man because he was added in December to be because he was eligible for the rule five. So he's on the 40 and Drew Waters is not on the 40, but he'll be also be in camp as a non-roster invitee for the second straight year. And they won't hesitate to bring up Pache would be first while he's on the 40. But if Waters starts off great and Gwinnett, you know, they, they both ended up the season last year, played the last month in Gwinnett. They're only 21. Neither of them really lit it up in Gwinnett, but they did in double A last year. Once they get their feet under him in AAA, if they start doing what they were doing in AA last year, either of those guys phone call away. And Pache, obviously, being on the 40, is literally could be here in, you know, in 20 minute. minutes if uh, yeah. if Ender got hurt and they wanted a guy that could play, you know, center for two or three weeks. That's the type of stuff um, people were saying about Andrelton Simmons when he was yeah. in the minor leagues. We were hearing about him when he was in A ball. Exactly. And and that that's the type of stuff that it's it's funny because it the Braves organization for me hasn't missed when there's been a rumbling about a guy and the, all the coaches all the scouts are talking about some guy nonstop. It's it's been Acuna, Freddie Freeman, and 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 Simmons since I was there. Yeah. And man, every time they've hit, it's the guys that they make that big of a fuss about. So that makes me pretty excited to see Pache play. Yeah. Um, so that's their their presence at Triple uh, A. As long as they're there, I mean, obviously one of them could be traded at some point if they if they need to if they decide to make a big move. But as long as they're there, and it's, it's only going to fuel Enciarte trade speculation, particularly if Ender gets off, has a good spring and can avoid his usual slow start, and then those guys take off. So it's going to be a lot to watch It'll be, to keep an eye on. It could be get interesting. Um, and like you said, Enciarte has plenty of motivation uh, between hearing about the criticism of his performance and his injuries last year and having a streak of three straight gold gloves snapped by Lorenzo Cain last year. Uh, Enders didn't play enough to, to, to even compete for that, for the gold yeah. gloves last year. I asked him about having that streak broken and whether that was one of the toughest parts about you know missing about 100 games last year. And he said, Ender said, I'm not the first or the last guy that it's going to happen to. It's different when you know – here's where the pride came came full because he said, yeah. it's different when you know they didn't take <laughs> it away from you. I feel that way. I feel like, okay, I didn't play. It's not like we competed and I lost it. If I have the opportunity to go there again, I'm going to try to take it back. Not to take anything away from Lorenzo Kane. That guy's a stud. He's 33 years old and he plays like he's 20. Not only did he win a gold glove, but see a guy like that. I want to be like that when I'm 33 years old. I want to move the same way. He's a good player to see and learn from, but I just want to go back out there and show that I can do everything I've done before. Do it again. So yeah, he's he's confident. Yeah, to him, to him, he would have won it if he played. Yeah, this all the time. <laughs> That's Ender. He did, you know he does a really good job um, with the media and stuff, but he's just as cocky as anybody else. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, so Pache and Waters, a lot of people rate them as the top two position. They are the top two position player prospects in the organization, and some rate them as the top two prospects, period. The only guy rated up there with them is Ian Anderson and a couple of lists. But those guys kind of continued to climb last year. Uh, like I said, both are just 21, Waters and Pache. One month apiece above double A. Pache could be a five-tool talent if the power keeps coming. Last year he hit 12 homers. Not That's not a lot, but. It's a lot more than he did early in his career. He had like none. I mean, he put on about 20 pounds of muscle. He's like 6'2", rangy, tall, long legs. I mean, he's got a great body for an outfielder. Uh, but the the, uh, the scouts have said the raw power is there, and they've seen it in BP and that kind of thing. But he had 12 homers, nine triples last year, and he climbed from number 85 in Baseball America's top 100 a year ago to number 12 this year. That's quite a leap. Yeah, and he got added to I, the forty. It's it's good though because you got all this depth. You know, it's not like the Braves don't have a backup plan if uh, if yeah, Andrew struggles. Exactly. So, um, like they did a few years ago with the outfielders because you had no none in the system. That <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Freddie hit a ton of homers in the minors, did he? No, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't. he's. I think he, he would hit like fifteen or eighteen, but a lot of times, man, guys just don't, and they're not hitting with the big league balls, which will make a difference, but. Um, right. a, a lot Except of times last year in triple a they did so so the numbers were skewed yeah but they weren't hitting he, with them in double a where these guys were at right no exactly exactly so you know that's a little power boost by itself usually um but yeah a lot of guys man they just power sometimes the last thing to come 
I watched um, I watched yeah. some Drew Waters highlight clips the other day because I just hadn't seen him in play or anything. I'll do the same with Pache soon, but um, I like his swing a lot. It's an easy swing. His movements are easy too. The way he moves and everything. Uh, uh-huh. I think, you know, that's something uh-huh. I always look for is just how easily the guys are moving, you know, one for longevity and two for um, just, you know, guys that are overexerting themselves or trying really hard or swinging as hard as they can, yeah. like Javier Baez, uh, he gets away with it. But uh, most guys, man, you can just if you see somebody swinging as hard as Baez or uh, or like Bryce Harper when he first came up, that there's going to be an adjustment period where they have to tone it down. Yeah. So yeah. when I see a guy like Waters, it's just free and easy and he just seems to float when he runs. Uh, I always get yeah. excited about guys like that. Yeah, he and Pache both glide out there, man. And then and Waters is funny because he mentioned, you know, he's put on fifteen pounds in the last couple of years since Rome, and it's and he also he's the same weight as he was a year ago, but it's really distributed differently because he got on a lot better diet, stopped eating Chick Fil A three times a day, you know, got on better conditioning <laughs> and weight program. So he's like one eighty five. He's still lean, but he's much more wiry now and put together well. Uh, so neither one of them are getting bulky at all, which is good. I, you don't want those outfielders like that to get bulky and you know take away a tool or two. But, um, you know, I was looking at you know Pache. He, uh, what was it that I was? Somebody was talking. Oh, oh, you were you were you were talking about putting on uh, some guys that don't hit from power in, in the minor leagues. You know, because yeah. they talk about man strength is one of the last things to come. Yeah. I've seen it a couple of times that have really stood out just in, in, in my years covering, you know, the Braves and before that, the Marlins. But, you know, the guy, the classic guy that comes to mind for me, Jeff Francoeur. This is a oh, guy yeah. that in the minor in the minor leagues when he was 18, 19, 20, he hit eight homers in his first year. That was only 38. It was, that was short season, so it doesn't count. But he only hit 14 his second year and 567 plate appearances. Then he hit 18 his third year in the minors in 443 plate appearances. Uh, 13 in double A in his fourth year before he got called up. Okay, so then he gets called up and he goes from in the same year that he hits 13 homers in 84 games in double A, he hits 14 in 70 games in the majors the same year. Damn. And then his first full season, the next year, his first full season in the big leagues, he has 29 home runs. Which was, which was, you know, he never hit, he never hit twenty in a minor league season. So, I mean, there are a lot of guys that are like that. BMAC never was, a, you know, a twenty home run guy in the minors. Yeah, but he did it every year when he got to the big leagues. Those guys that put on, you know, some muscle, you know, in their early twenties, it's it's really common, really. You got an extra month to do it too. Yeah, you yeah. know, the, the season's shorter. 20, Twenty-five games. Yeah, um, I came up with Adam Jones, and yeah. I didn't even know if he could yeah. hit when we were in the minor leagues. Honestly, yeah. he was a great athlete, but uh, you know he'd hit like you know eleven, I think, the year we played together in A ball, and then the next year he might have hit fifteen. Um, still not a lot of power or impressive homers, you know. And then uh-huh. uh, it all just kind of clicked one year, and he hit. I think he hit like sixteen or nineteen in Triple A, and then even after he got to the big leagues, he he didn't really have a big home run season until uh, until he was. 25 26 then he started hitting 30 a year and yeah. that's just how it works for some guys man yeah. it's it's that's why i like the easy swings because it i think it takes longer for the power to develop when guys are chasing power um yeah and sometimes it just seems like you know guys that are fluid and just and letting their swing develop and just making better contact versus trying to swing harder those are the guys that the power just seems to one year just kind of all clicks yeah. and all of a sudden they're a 25 homer guy yeah, here's another here's here's another one even even closer to home, and this is one everybody will uh, maybe get a better idea of what we're talking about. Chipper Jones had three full seasons in the minor leagues, was best prospect in baseball according to some. Um, three full seasons in the minor leagues where he had five hundred and fifty to six hundred and three plate appearances. So these were you know full, full seasons, seasons. yeah, one hundred thirty six games, one hundred thirty seven games, and one hundred thirty nine games. Guess how many home runs he hit in those three years? Twenty-three. His num- his totals in those three years were fifteen, thirteen, and thirteen. He hit thirteen 51. homers. He hit thirteen homers in his age twenty-one season at Richmond Triple A in six hundred and three plate appearances. He had thirteen homers. Damn. Then he missed obviously ninety-four. Blew his knee out. So his first full first year in the big leagues was uh, ninety five. 
So he goes from hitting 13 homers in AAA at 21 to hitting 23 homers in the majors in the same number of plate appearances, 603 and 602. Hit 10 more homers in his first year in the big leagues. Then the next year in the big leagues, his second year, he had 30. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not it's not at all unusual for a guy to hit 12, 15 homers in the minors and then jump up to 20, 25 in the bigs, or a guy to hit 20 in the minors and jump up to 30 in the bigs when they get that man strength in their early 20s. Start yeah, it's just, it. I mean, they're not going to get know. it to the mid-20s, late-20s. You just look so, at athletes, yeah. man. Strong guys, big, big frames, yeah. good frames or good movers. The power will be there if they just, you know, they'll just keep honing their swing and – yeah, a lot of times wanna... it just comes late. It's not it's not something I put a lot of stock into if guys are only hitting, you know, 10 or 12 in the minors and, and you trust your scouts that they you... say they're going to have power, you know. Well, yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't you much rather see a guy with a line drive swing in the minors that hits for, you know, good slugging percentage and a lot of ton of extra base hits than a guy hitting uh, 260 with 30 homers in the minors and, you know, 20 Bunch of doubles? Strikeouts. Yeah. Yeah. A ton well, of just, strikeouts. You're going to have to, you're going to have to hit your homers off of better pitchers. So, yeah, For me, exactly. I always look at it as the guys yeah. that are making really good contact on tough pitches. I I I think long term, I believe in them more usually than the guys that are just you know teeing off on some because they could. There's going to be a guy in a ball that comes in in the seventh inning of a you know a seven eight run game that's throwing eighty eight right down the middle, and yeah. he's just got a sloppy curveball or something, and that's who a lot of guys do their damage off. And when you get to the big right. leagues, those right. guys just aren't there. Never see them. Um, yeah. So it's you. You like the guys that are able to compete and battle against that first round pick or the you know the top prospect mm-hmm. in the league because you're gonna have to hit your homers off of guys like that. So that, that's why the numbers don't always translate. Um, Waters, he's a line drive hitter, classic. I mean, just yeah. line drives to all fields. Uh, he hit three oh nine with a three sixty OBP, nine triples seven homers last season said he learned a lot from his struggles after a, a final month promotion triple a he didn't he didn't he didn't uh hit quite as well in triple a as he did in double a and then from playing for team usa this offseason guys on 40-man rosters couldn't play on that weren't eligible for that team for team usa so he was on it pache was not uh waters hit a home run on the first pitch of the first game team usa played down in guadalajara mexico and then he went to, they played there two weeks and then went to Tokyo, Japan. They played in sold out crowds at Tokyo Dome. So this is a kid that's gone from playing on, you know, in, in front of hundreds of fans and a minors to playing, you know, in front of 40,000 at Tokyo Dome. Uh, he said, he had some great quotes at Chop Fest. He said, talking about this being his second camp, he, he was talking about how it's totally different. He said, last spring training, and this is a guy that's cocky too, so. And you've you've been here. You know what he's talking about here. He said, last spring training, I was there and I was present. I did everything, but it was almost like I was asleep. I was just like so caught up with, I couldn't believe I was there playing alongside guys like Freddie Freeman and Brian McCann. He said, I really look back and it happened so fast, but this year it's a little bit different. I feel like I should have, I should have the opportunity to come up to Atlanta and help the Atlanta Braves out at some point this year. I mean, this kid, you know, he's got it going on mentally. I think we touched on this last time too. That I think it's a really good sign that that he respects the level enough to be uncomfortable around um, you know big yeah. leaders that have accomplished a lot. Um, and yeah, don't get too comfortable and come in here like you're the man now. Right, it's your, your second right. big league spring training. And I don't nobody, think there's a danger nobody cares that about either. that. <laughs> yeah, nobody's nobody's impressed that it's your second big league spring training. Right, you know, but he uh, knows he's not on the forty, and and yeah. is, and he knows they got a lot of guys ahead of him, and he just know, wants to be himself talking more. About yeah, and he said at some point. So he's realistic, you know. You know, he's swagger. talking about breaking camp. You hear some guys talk about coming in, yeah, and winning. A <laughs> I'm spot, making this team. Camp. Yeah, <laughs> no, you want to tell them too. You got no chance in hell of breaking camp, you know. But they actually come in talking like that. So, Why don't you tell them that, Dave? That. <laughs> Why don't you start saying that to him? <laughs> Laugh at him, dude. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, be honest. You got with no yourself. chance. You'd have yeah. to have twenty five injuries, and you probably still wouldn't break it. Um, <laughs> you should say that stuff. But, no, man, come on. <laughs> you write that stuff. <laughs> yeah, just write it down. Um, Put it in the article. You say that on a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, two things though that I like about Pache and Waters. Two things that struck me here in the last few weeks. First, I found out somebody asked Pache about the relationship that he has with Andrew Jones. And I didn't realize that we were getting this close, but he's, uh, he talks to him a lot. 
Ten-time Gold Glover, of course, legend, legendary former defensive center fielder from the Braves, arguably the best center fielder of you know my, of my lifetime, at least I, I, I think he is. Uh, some with the Braves, you know, I said and said Pache is the best defensive outfielder the Braves have had since Andrew, um, and Pache, who's added several inches and about thirty pounds of muscle since he signed as a Dominican team still glides effortlessly, like I said, to get balls in the outfield. He talks to Andrew, who's a special assistant with the Braves now. Andrew spotted him from day one. You know, he heard so much about him, watched him. Yeah. Said, yeah, this kid is for real. He said, this kid is absolutely for real. But uh, he was asked, Pache was asked what he talks to Andrew about. And he said, he just tells me to keep my to keep focused, keep working, just keep your head down and go for it. He said, he's been a huge support for me. I mean, that's invaluable, man. To have a guy that's not like, you know, jealous that you're the young guy coming up, a guy that's not being dismissive, a guy that's going, yeah, let him let him earn it himself, a guy that's sharing and helping him, trying to, you know, to inch him along to be the next Andrew Jones. There's just no reason to, to be like that, man. I, yeah. <laughs> there's to be, I, yeah. Just to, just to hate on anybody or not. Yeah, I mean, not you had supportive. your moment and, and you yeah. find it a lot in the game, to be honest. Uh, I think a lot yeah. of guys are just, they're sad they're not in the spotlight anymore. It's not about them, and and they want you to know how good they were, and they try to bring you down. But why not just root this guy on? And if you love the game, all you want to do is see players just succeed and and, and do cool things on the field and, and see what they can develop into. So that's pretty yeah. – I wouldn't expect anything else from Andrew. He doesn't care. But uh, that's pretty cool pretty he's cool reaching that. out and, and making that relationship with him because it, it could pay off for him a lot. And he's doing that and not being like, you know, at a time when I think a lot of guys in Andrew's shoes right now would be a little bit bitter about this whole Hall of Fame thing and the way that's going, the voting. Because he's getting, I mean. Andrew just doesn't seem like a a bitter guy. (laughs) No, no, not at all. He never has. But, um, and the other thing, the two things I said, the other thing is Waters doesn't dispute this characterization of him as having a confidence bordering on cocky. I don't know if it's bordering. I think he, he probably is cocky, but I don't, but some people take that in a negative sense. And that's why you have to kind of be careful using the word cocky. Cause some people view that differently as other than other people. To me, it's just a lot of confidence. And to me, cocky and swagger are almost interchangeable, but some people don't view them the same way, but what, however you want to put it, he's just very confident in himself, and he has a swagger, no doubt about that. And I asked him about that, and he did not just uh, kind of demur from it or or say ah, I downplay it. He embraced it. He said, "I think confidence and swagger. I'm all for it." <laughs> he said, "Chop Fest." He said, "We play one of the hardest games in the world." We have guys throwing 100 miles an hour at us. We've got guys like Ronald Acuna, Cody Bellinger, Christian Yelich. If you think that I'm going to be able to go out there and compete with those guys and not be confident in my ability, you're crazy. Because if I'm not out there confident, knowing or thinking to myself that, okay, I'm the man on this field, then I'm going to start playing defensively or I might just kind of get caught up in the moment. But when you take that cocky swagger out on the field with you, it almost makes you feel like you're in control. And when you're in control, you're the one driving the car. This is a 21 year old kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know this. It, it really does for a lot of guys. It it changes everything if they can just kind of flow yeah. out there and just be themselves. And it, it's something about you know it's baseball. So much, so much of it is just confidence. It's everything's yeah. confidence. And when when you're tense and nervous, man, your move your movements tighten up. Things just don't happen yeah. the same. So. There is a lot to be said for that and how important it is for a guy to feel like he's being himself. And some guys really need it and or they can't play out there. You know, if they can't if they can't kind of swag do the swagger and all that stuff. It's it's funny, man. For me, you know, swagger's a funny it's just a funny topic because it pisses a lot of people off. And right. for me personally, I just didn't have the balls. I'll I'll be honest. Yeah, right. It's because it, yeah. it ups the ante. You know, it, it really yeah. ups the yeah. ante. I just no doubt. Um, it ups the ante, you know, it puts a target on your back and and you better back it up. You know, we used to call it the the triple A prospect package. These guys would show up and they'd have that they'd have the faux hawk haircut, you know, they'd have the chain, they'd have all the body armor, the mannerisms, you know, the custom cleats, and they'd be strutting around like like they'd done something in the big leagues. And yeah. you better back it up, you know, because yeah. you find you find out nobody in the big leagues is impressed by your mannerisms, you know, really fast. And uh it almost 
like I said, it turns into a target on your back and it, it motivates a lot of guys to want to humble you or embarrass you. That's why I said I didn't have the the balls to do yeah. it. You know, I just yeah, I kind of wanted to just lay low, lurk in the shadows, you know, get in, <laughs> get out, play it cool, and then you know, I'd crank the music up on my drive home and kind of dig myself then. But um, maybe get loud in the training room or something when I was safe and, and it was all over. But, you know, I get to just think the game's just hard enough for a lot of guys. Um, yeah. But like I said, some guys, man, they can't they need to feel like on. that. They need to up the ante. They need to they need to they're yeah. convincing themselves with their mannerism that they're the man. And, you know, they don't feel like the man unless they they act like they're the man. So my yeah. my uh, my kind of mindset on that with teammates and stuff like that was always you know you do whatever you have to do to get to that place where you're moving freely and, and kind of digging yourself just enough but not too much yeah and uh and and you're having fun and, and playing a game when you turn it into you know this big you know death you know this life life's on the line type of event you're gonna fail more often than not and you see the guys having fun like Acuna out there just playing yeah. a game I mean you have to get yourself to a point mentally where you're just playing a game um, and everybody has a different method of getting there. So the swagger never really bothers me. I just kind of look at it like, well, you, you better back that shit up, man, because you're, you're definitely yeah. up in the ante right now. And Acuna does. Yep. To, yeah, it, to an it up extreme degree. <laughs> and JD yep. does. Yep. Yeah. So good for them. You uh, got the balls to do and, it. Good for you. And it's funny because you said a target on literally here. Uh, Chipper had a comment about that exactly. Chipper said, I asked him about it. I said, Chip, you had that, you know, you had that, you, you were known to have that swagger, a little bit of that swagger when you were a young guy coming up. I remember Chipper, like his, I started covering baseball, I think like in his second or third year. And I remember from the other side, the other teams looked at this kid as like this, you know, the way he strutted around, just that look he had, the arrogance on his face, but he, he was a badass and he knew it. Um, but Chipper, uh, Chipper said, he kind of laughed. He said, yeah, he's a little more verbal about it than I was, but I agree that outward <laughs> that outward swagger is a must. He might have to wear a couple in the ribs at some point, but I think once given a shot to compete, Braves fans will like the player he turns out to be. Yeah, talking about Waters, <laughs> take, yeah, he said he might have to take a couple in the ribs at some point. <laughs> yeah, like I said, you know, it does it does piss people off, but I think it mainly pisses them off because. Um, you know they don't have the balls to act like that and 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 right. put it all out there and, and back right. it up. You know, and I'll, I'll admit it didn't piss me off because I understood it, but I definitely knew I wasn't going to strut around like I was a man because I just wanted to put up a zero and go home. <laughs> I, you know, I wasn't I wasn't trying yeah. to up the ante or, or piss anybody. You know, you sometimes you yeah. wake up a sleeping giant acting like that. Some old vet just you don't you know, want to tempt the baseball and, gods either. No, <laughs> I felt like I feel like that. You know, I always felt like anything I did. Yeah, it's just a hard enough game. You know, I didn't ever want to um I didn't want to just push it. <laughs> I just wanted to get in and but get the out. The ones that want that spotlight, man, the ones that, that embrace that whole thing and don't don't care about it, they're usually the ones that are a little bit special. I mean, yeah, look at Barry for sure. Bonds. Look at Barry Bonds. <laughs> Griffey. Kind of the all, Ricky Henderson. Yep. Ricky Henderson doing all the shit he did. <laughs> yeah. You you gotta have a you gotta have a special mindset to be able to act like that out there and, and back you it up. You take away that swagger and I th- I don't think those guys are the same players. Now they're great still, but I think that was part of their DNA. Other guys don't need it. Other guys don't need to have that. You know, look at especially some of the old school guys never did any of that. Look at Hank Aaron, you know? Yeah. Those guys never played with any of that kind of flair or look at me. They just did it. But people are different, man. People are different. Or even, um, you know, like Paul Canerco. Yeah. Paul Canerco, yeah. you know, nobody even knows he played in the big leagues. The guy was a great player. You can't player. remember what he, what he looked like when he played because he didn't right. do anything that stood out. Right. So, that, you know, there's kind of like a fine line because the fan fans love it and, and people want to see it. Yeah. But Larry Walker. Uh, Larry Walker, yeah. Terrific if, player. If he would have been. But maybe he, he should have done some – Maybe Griffey, if, if he was acting like Griffey, he would have been in the Hall of Fame a, a year or two ago, just because you would have noticed him more. With the swing, follow through, do yeah. the wears hat backwards. Yeah, <laughs> he did wear a pretty cool shirt for his uh, Hall of Fame call, though. Oh, that was awesome! The SpongeBob <laughs> SquarePants NASCAR shirt. Yeah, that was that was epic. Uh, so, all right, um, we're gonna wrap it up. But uh, oh, just. Uh, I, I don't know if you saw one other thing I, that, that Hamels had mentioned. It's funny because Freed says he plans to you know pick Hamels' brain as much as he can. The change up, focus on that because he's trying to get his change up. You know, it's it, Freed's trying to develop his to be become a pitch like Hamels had or like Glavin had. 
But I was thinking how this has come full circle because Hamels, he said he's eager to help Freed and show him everything he knows. But Hamels said he's eager to pitch with Tom Glavin calling the game in a press box because Glavin is the guy that when Hamels was a kid in San Diego, a young left-hander growing up, he came home and watched Glavin pitch on TBS, loved watching Glavin and tried to emulate his mechanics and his change-up. So it's kind of like, you know, baseball, the circle of life, the whole thing. But these left-handers, and now there's this chain of them, and he's and he said he's eager to, you know, to have Glavin in the press box calling a game when he pitches, you know, and pitches for the team that that uh, that uh, Hamels grew up rooting for because of TBS when he was out in San Diego. Man, if 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 any of those guys can pick up, if Newcomb, Freed, if these guys can pick up on Felix or Cam or Hamels changeup. I mean, it, yeah. it could, it could, yeah. Freed could be an ace with that pitch. He's already throwing yeah, 95 with the curve. Of Both of them could. Training. Either yeah. one of them, you know, there's going to be, I, I there's going to be a lot Heredia. for Felix, is, uh, <laughs> Felix Hernandez's, Hernandez's changeup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got two people they can just go to as sources yeah. all spring training because they're going to be there from day one. Anibal Sanchez signed late in spring training. Keiko didn't sign until the middle of the season. These guys are going to be there from day one when pitchers and catchers report. They'll have, plenty of, they'll have plenty of times doing PFPs for five hours a day. <laughs> yeah. Spring Hamill training. said, uh, you know, he's talking about Glav. He said, as you get older, you kind of create your own sort of identity. But well, he was somebody that I really looked at, and I wanted to have some similarities. And the changeup was a pitch that I knew the importance of. He, he actually emulated his mechanics, though, when he was a kid. You know, he said the Padres had Sterling Hitchcock, but there just weren't many left-handers to watch on TV. And Glav was the guy that he kind of uh, was drawn to and, and embraced. So that's awesome. Did you, uh, did you, did you watch anything, anybody like that when you were a kid? I mean, I know there was a lot more games on TV by that point, but was there a picture that you kind of watched and tried to emulate it all? No, I was trying to be Griffey. I thought I was going to be an outfielder hitting tanks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the pitching thing, I just had a really good so you were arm. Delusional I, then. I was very delusional my whole life. I still am. Uh, <laughs> well, I know I look at your wife. Yeah. <laughs> In that case it works. So, but somehow, but, yeah, that was my swagger off the field. <laughs> <laughs> Turn that guitar on players and uh, baseball players, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought I was going to be Griffey. I was, I was trying to pimp homers, and, and and that's why I understand how important some of that swagger is and the bat flips and all that stuff. Because I remember being yeah. a kid, and and that's what yeah. drew me into baseball was was Griffey and and his how he yeah. acted. You know, you wanted to be and like so him. So many I wasn't, other kids. Not a lot of twelve year olds sitting there wanting to be Jamie yeah. Moyer. But he had a pretty damn good career, too. <laughs> For a guy who could throw 90 miles an hour, he had a hell of a career. <laughs> yeah, he did. Jesus, man. Talk about smoking mirrors. Yep. He is the case study in, uh, in change of pay and change of keeping batters off balance, isn't he? Yeah, and he was he was another guy that, that gave me a good change-up tip. Um he was just doing his pool workout or something, and, and I asked him one question. He talked to me for like 45 minutes in 2006 really? spring training. Yeah, and I, it was way too much information for me to absorb. But wow. um, he just told me, you know, like just don't push with your changeup. Don't use your legs. He goes, that'll take wow. off. That'll take off five miles an hour right there. And I did it all year that year. So that's this type of stuff, you know, just like a little simple tip that that works yeah, for a yeah. guy. Some of it you just so, toss and it doesn't work, but some does. So a positive check mark for Jamie Moyer because down here in Braves country, <laughs> he's yeah. remembered for, oh, for one there. thing, Chipper yeah. Jones. <laughs> that, <laughs> that was, was so one funny. of the all time. That was right up there with the Boston with Doug we don't Chipper, have to Bobby's we don't have to tip down. pitches. We know what's coming slow and slower. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, Chipper was so funny that day when he yep. found out what Moyer had said. Oh, that was great. Uh, Oh, hey, so real quick before we go, let's talk about, real quick about Dusty Baker. Because I'm just, I'm, I'm a big Dusty guy, man. I've always been, uh, admired Dusty. Um, he was hired by the Astros this week. They made the right choice going with the old school players manager to go in the opposite direction of, you know, <laughs> they got to get this thing back on the tracks and get people to start to at least forget about because it's going to take a lot. But they went in the opposite direction getting Dusty. Uh Old school players manager who's going to both command instant respect in the clubhouse, but also put his foot down if there's ever any inkling of guys not playing the game the right way as he sees it. You know, he ain't going to stand for cheating, man. Not not the kind they were doing. Uh, It'd be funny if he came in and was like, you dumbasses, here's how you do it right, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he's not going to do that. He's he's going to, he's a good guy. He's going to be, um, 
He's a good character. I've heard great things about him. I've heard uh, yeah. from players. I've, I've I've never heard anything bad about it from a player. Even guys that just have one or two interactions with him seem to love him. So I think they made a right move right there, you know, trying to get things back on he's, track. He's 70 years old, man. He was sitting next to Jim Crane, and I had to look it up. He's four years older than Jim Crane. That's <laughs> wild. Astros owner. Uh, but he's... And, but he's but he's also the coolest dude to ever manage, probably, and not, and he's the only one who could drop references at age seventy to Bay Area old school rap legend Too Short, and also to Muddy <laughs> Waters playing with the Stones, and he did that during his introductory press conference with the Astros. <laughs> I mean, what did he say dude, about Too Short? Oh, he had, he was uh, he was one of. Uh, Two shorts lyrics. God, what did he do? He blended. He, I was like, oh my God, you got to be kidding. So people were scrambling all over the place. Look, oh, how I many think, people know who Two Short is, man? Bay Area yeah. people certainly do. I forgot what it was. What was the lyric? Uh, that he I think used? he said, uh, he said, this is my last album. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. He said, this is. I did hear that. I did hear he said that. <laughs> and he had Muddy Waters and he's talking about uh, blending in or, or, or combine, uh, uh, morphing, what, what, uh, Oh, doing he's combining the analytical age and old school. And he used Muddy Waters playing with the Stones as a reference. I'm like, well, dude, that's not really good for young people because they look at the Stones are in their 70s themselves. <laughs> but he used them and he also used another uh example of of uh some uh, of a couple of people playing together. And I come, but anyway, I was just I was just smiling watching Dusty, man. Same I Dusty. love old school managers. He's gonna be out there. He had Bobby Cox in the full uni with the spikes on. Yeah. Bobby Cox wearing the spikes in practice. I mean, <laughs> clanging down the concrete hallways all over North America. I used to love that. With you the artificial get to feel at 2 o'clock. You get there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and Bobby's already got spikes on. Everybody else is wearing <laughs> running shoes and Bobby were the last two to wear them. <laughs> Bobby's awesome. got two artificial knees and he's clanging around on spikes and concrete, you know, for <laughs> walking a quarter of a mile in stadiums to get to the field in some places and spikes and downstairs. Smoking um, a cigar before the game. He, yeah. he was awesome. And then you got Dusty, another guy like Bobby who wears the full uni, man. None of this hoodie BS yeah. in a manager, you know, with the sleeves cut off and all this crap. He wears the uniform with the jersey tucked in. And if he needs to if he needs to, to be warm, if it's cold out, he puts his jacket on. His yeah. team jacket. Yeah. <laughs> I love Dusty. I love it. The sweatbands with Dusty's uh with his uh <laughs> I gotta get some of those. A Dusty Baker on him. That's awesome. <laughs> his, uh, the facsimile of Dusty Baker on him. What is it? Uh, he wears the sweatpants and he's got the toothpick in his mouth at all times. I mean, let's get some of those made for Snit. See if he if, if he rocks them in the oh, game. That'd be great. Hey, did you see Snit's got the facial hair though? Not the mustache that I wanted. The Fu Manchu, the kind of thing that he had. But he's at least got the goat going with the, with the mustache. Looks nice. So I, I just think it looks he looks he so looks much harder. better with the yeah he looks he ready does, for war. He does. Yeah, <laughs> he means business this year. But Dusty uh, career record eighteen hundred and sixty three and sixteen hundred and thirty six, including fifteen hundred and fifty five games managed with the Giants. He had 840 wins with the Giants. Most recently, 192 and 132 record with the Nats in 16 and 17. Until the Nats won a series this year, the World Series, a growing number of people were saying Dusty should never have been fired. I'm one of those people. Me and too. I still don't think they should have fired him, even though they did win the World Series this year. I still don't. I think that was the biggest mistake they made, uh, you know, in their infancy was uh, firing Dusty Baker. But, you know, they're doing okay now. But, uh, it's going to be good to have Dusty back, 70 years old. You only got a one-year deal, but if they win, I'm sure they'll, they'll make it a two-year one. But Oh, in 19 seasons as a player, a lot of people forget this too. He was pretty damn solid as a player. A lot of people don't even know he played or assume it was just a you know cup of coffee or something. Right. He played 19 years in the bigs, man. He hit 278 yeah. career average, 242 homers, and just over 1,000 ribbies. And, and get this, he had more RBIs than strikeouts. 926 strikeouts in his career. Never Damn. struck out 90 times in a season and had 20 or more homers six times, including 30 with the Dodgers in 1977. Of course, he broke in with the Braves, man. A lot of people don't realize that, too. He came up with the Braves. 1968, had a cup of coffee with the Braves at age 19 in their third season in Atlanta. First full season was 72 with the Braves, and he had 321. 383 OBP and an 888 OPS finished 22nd in the MVP balloting as a 23 year old rookie. 
Nah, that's there awesome. There you go. Yeah. Ne- next year, 21 homers and 24 stolen bases, 99 ribbies with the Braves. So he was, he was a hell of a player. Then went on to the Dodgers and did even bigger things with the Dodgers. And that's where he, people, I think most people associate him with the Dodgers. But uh, he came up with the Braves. So that's it. 755 is real. And we will be back next week. We will be, I will be doing this from Northport or, or where or thereabouts because it's the day before pitchers and catchers reports report and I'll be down there and uh doing this probably from my Venice motel room. Um uh, but it's miss that Orlando? time, man. <laughs> huh? You no, don't want to do one more geez, year in Orlando. Not, not one thing about it other than <laughs> The sun rising over Lake Bryan when I stayed in the condo there. And that is it. That's all I'm going to miss, man. I don't plan to set foot in Orlando again (laughs) for anything other than winter meetings when they're there. That's the only time I'll ever set foot in Orlando again. But this place, I'm looking forward to this place. Down on the Gulf Coast and Venice and all that nearby. That would be cool. It's going to be pretty cool. Not going to be anything there around the ballpark for a while, but that's all right after – after all the years of Disney traffic, I'm going to kind of embrace nothing being around the ballpark for a while. Yeah, that'd be Tumbleweeds nice. blowing by. Not going to miss those Disney drivers going 30 miles an uh, hour on the interstate. In the minivans looking at their maps. Yeah. <laughs> and the construction on I-4, perpetual construction. God, and an accident blocking down because there's only two or three lanes on each side on I-4. So an accident blocks down one entire side for two hours, you know. Every day. Yeah, and it's going to be great for the team. You're going to all of a sudden, fans are going to appreciate when they all of a sudden they see Braves veterans playing in road games, which you did not see when they were in Orlando. You didn't see no. it very often. Never. You're going to see a lot more of it now when their road trips are, you know, 15 to 30 uh, minutes away. Anyway, all right, well, we'll be, we'll be talking about a lot of stuff coming uh, next week, and we're going to start the two a weeks here real quick, so – uh, and we might have a, a special guest next Tuesday. So hang in there and thanks for giving us good uh, reviews and all that and subscribing on Apple and Spotify. And But most of all, you Apple subscribers, or you, you athletic subscribers, that's what we want. Read us, listen, all that. So 755 is real. We're out of here. Peace.